Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. My name is Kimiko, and I'm going to be reading the scripture today. This is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Pastor Joel. We pray that you would fill him with your spirit this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we would understand, that our hearts would turn towards you and that you would heal us. I pray that you would lead us in um, repentance and faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. A few years ago, some of the community group leaders of Mosaic Silver Spring uh, got together and we went into downtown Silver Spring and did something called an escape room. And uh, if you're not familiar with an escape room, I'm just going to unpack it very briefly. Usually there's some sort of theme in place and uh, they can be scary or fun or silly or outrageous, but there's some sort of connecting story that you find yourself trapped in a room with some of your friends. And there are certain challenges or puzzles or riddles or things that you have to work through that lead you one step after the other uh, to eventually get out. And so uh, we thought oh, this would be a great team building exercise for the community group leaders. It'll be fun. We'll use some of our creativity. Uh, we may learn some about each other, uh, who is better than others at uh, solving things. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have this opportunity to overcome. Well, we split up into different rooms, and in my group, at one point, we got stuck. And I thought when we were signing the waiver and going through all the paperwork and we give them uh, our phone numbers that that was just like a precaution, I guess, uh, some sort of like mandatory thing to protect liability. I don't know, right? But as we're trying to navigate through this, it turns out that they have cameras and they can see how you're doing and how you're tracking along the time. And so my phone rings and effectively uh, we weren't doing all that great. And so the escape room uh, calls and says, if you want us to help you out, you, you could use some help. And in that moment, I was resistant. No, we are an incredibly talented group of people. We're going to solve this puzzle. Uh, I'm good. Uh, and uh, then uh, they check in about five minutes later. How you doing? You want some more help? No, uh, we're going to continue to solve this puzzle. And you have this tension of trying to unpack uh, the various puzzles or riddles to get out of this room and uh, to really try to understand what are pertinent clues, what are just distractions, and how can you get out. Well, a parable is a little bit like uh, an ancient Near Eastern uh, escape room. It is Jesus teaching in the tradition uh, where you can use stories that challenge people. They challenge them to listen and try to understand, to unpack what is being said and how it relates to who the teacher is and what they're doing. And in this parable this morning, this is one of the ways in which Jesus announces and unpacks, makes connections, invites people to understand just how the kingdom arrival works. How does the kingdom fit within the life and eventual death and new life of Jesus, the chosen one, the Messiah? 
And so the goal of a parable is not always to just give you some simple truth. It's not just like a one-point lecture. Here's what you need to go to. Here's what you need to know. Rather, it's to encourage you, to challenge you, to provoke your own reflection, for you to think through what's going on here. How does this connect to your own life? How does the announcement of uh, Jesus, how does the kingdom arrival meet you where you're at even today? That's how parables function. And this morning, we hear one that's based uh, on the farming life, uh, on a sower, someone who is trying to produce crops uh, just to live. Uh, They go out to sow seed. And so you can follow along, but uh, Jesus is sitting there. He goes out in a boat because there's such a huge crowd. He is using the natural layout, the topography around him in order to uh, get news out to as many people as possible. And uh, he tells them about a sower who went out to sow. And he unpacks the story. The sower is spreading the seed, and the seed is falling, or different things are happening to it as it falls. So some seed is tossed out, and it uh, is scooped up by birds. They come and devour it. Some seed falls on rocky ground, and so there's not the depth of soil there to produce it. And some seed falls You'll see in verse 7, among the thorns, and the thorns grow up around it, and it gets choked out. And then in verse 8, other seeds fall on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. And just to give you a sense there, because we don't have many farmers, any farmers at Mosaic Silver Spring, uh, the typical yield uh, in this time and place would be like sevenfold, maybe a little higher. Now, 30, 60, 100, it's not that that's miraculous or impossible, but the idea there is that the seed that fell on good soil had exceedingly abundant production. And so Jesus tells this story about a farmer who goes out to drop seed. And a variety of things happen to the seed, four different things. Uh, Some of it's just scooped up by birds. Some of it falls and there's not the depth of soil there. Some of it starts to grow but gets choked out. And then other seed finds good soil and then produces exceedingly abundant fruit. And that's the parable. Jesus concludes, In verse 9, saying, he who has ears, let him hear. And uh, similar to that phone call in the escape room, except working the other way, the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, that was a great riddle. I mean, I don't know exactly what they said, but I can imagine it going something along these lines. Wow, Jesus, Mm, that was a good word. But listen, what did it mean? (laughs) Could you help us out a little bit? We're struggling. Uh, I mean, we have some guesses, Jesus. Don't get us wrong. We, we, but we want to make sure we have ears to hear, Jesus. You said, he who has ears, let him hear, let him hear. Jesus, we want to hear, and we want to make sure we've heard you. And in verses 10 through 17, that becomes the emphasis. Now, don't get it wrong. Hearing and seeing, these are metaphors for understanding. 
what is it that Jesus is describing about the kingdom or the word going out and how it works? Hearing, let he who has ears, let them hear, is about understanding the kingdom's arrival and what it means. And here, when the disciples go to him, they are seeking to understand. This news of the kingdom is no small thing, and they don't want to miss it, right? There is a lot on the line here, not just for the disciples, but for all who engage with the story of Scripture. In modern day, we can uh, way to compartmentalize and minimize the reality of how Scripture works. Here's what I mean. In our modern day, life may be going fairly well. We think we have most parts of our world figured out, maybe, or at least kind of have a read on them. Uh, But then there's one small part of us, a spiritual part of us, that we go, ah, maybe there's just something that I can fill in that small spot. And so we come to scripture and we say, uh, yeah, just give me something small to fill that spot. But that's not how scripture describes how spiritual things work out. Scripture describes spiritual things as the things that are over and under all that we experience in our world. And that go even beyond time. They have eternal implications. This is what God, the creator of the world, is doing. And so... Uh, In Jesus' parable, this push to understand, to hear, to see, Jesus, I want to make sure I get it. It's not coming from, hey, I just want to fill in that small spot. It's coming from eternal things are on the line, right? And so like, hey, if it's eternal things, I want to make sure I don't miss it. And so Jesus, in verses 10 through 17, he unpacks for them just what's going on, why it is that he uses parables, why it is so important to see and hear. He tells them, in effect, the arrival of the kingdom and seeing it or not seeing it is not just a matter of getting some sort of riddle and gaining a small bit of humor, but rather blessing and judgment are on the line. Those are the stakes. They are incredibly high. And so he presses in on them, going all the way back to the prophet Isaiah to say, so you don't want to miss this. You want to lean in. You want to seek to understand. You want to work through, wait, how does this parable connect to my life? And then in verse 18, and then following through to the end in verse 23, he gives some of the explicit connections. So having made the case for why we want to hear the parable that was described in verses 1 through 9, and then why parables and hearing and seeing them are important in verses 10 through 17. Then in 18 through 23, Jesus unpacks a bit some of the kingdom realities that connect, not just for the disciples, but for you and I. He effectively uh, tells them the parable of the sower is about the word of the kingdom and about the word going out. And as the word goes out, it faces obstacles. Satan himself trying to obstruct or stand against the word going out or being heard. The realities of our broken world, our sinful world, systems of evil, standing against the word taking root and growing. 
And then even our own sinful nature, our own evil desires, the things within us that can keep us from seeing, hearing, understanding, and responding. And so Jesus is unpacking the reality of just how many obstacles face the word going out. And in a sense, uh, this could be a great encouragement uh, to the disciples because they recognize that they don't control the soil, that is, people's hearts, either individually or corporately, where the word falls. They are called to be faithful sowers, to go and to sow the word. But they don't control the soil and how the seed falls and where all of the birds fly and how things grow up. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is in that way, I think, encouraging not just the disciples then, but us today that our call is to be faithful, that any spiritual growth, any spiritual growth ultimately comes from God himself. And the rest of the New Testament unpacks that, where some of the spiritual realities of just how God's spirit makes people alive to hear and to see and how God's Spirit continues to work in people's lives to apply redemption to us. That fruitfulness in that sense, spiritual fruitfulness in the Christian life, isn't just merely because someone's smart, someone's uh, talented, or someone has done this long enough, but that ultimately it's driven by God's Spirit himself. But it also deals honestly with just some of the challenges that any of us face as we grapple through faith, the good news of the kingdom in its announcement. There's a lot of obstacles. There's corporate obstacles that we face, everything from difficult times, famine, wars, tragedies. When evil happens in our world, it can be hard to believe. We can struggle with whether God is good and whether he's interacting with us. Whether if God is, if the kingdom has arrived and we are praying, uh, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, then why sometimes does it not feel very heavenly where I live or where my community is or the things that we face or struggle? Jesus is in this parable trying to call us to see that there are all sorts of challenges to the word going out. But the overcoming those obstacles, how the word will ultimately be successful, in a sense, or productive, how we'll see 30 or 60 or 100 fold isn't dependent on us as a church or you individually, but it is God himself who accomplishes it. And that's how this parable fits into the broader redemptive story, or maybe one way in which it fits into the broader story of Scripture. If you think all the way back to Genesis 1, where there is the word of creation, where chaos is overcome by God's word bringing order, Genesis 1 and 2. And so we see a good word of creation there, overcoming the obstacles of chaos. When in Exodus, we see a good word of freedom and redemption brought through Moses. It overcomes the bondage and slavery of Egypt. 
where in Isaiah we hear the prophet speak to the reality that when God's word speaks, it will not return void because it is God himself who speaks it. So uh, production comes even when we can't see how everything lines up. When John describes the arrival of Jesus as the word become flesh, Jesus taking on humanity, it is in and through this incarnation that these obstacles will be overcome. So how will God deal with the obstacles of Satan and evil systems and even our own sinful desires? It's through the word Jesus himself, the incarnate word, his work on the cross and his new life, his resurrection, that we have hope in the face of those things. And so individually and corporately, when we hear the news of the kingdom, when we think through the riddle, the parable that Jesus speaks, we're challenged to consider our own spiritual conditions. What kind of soil does my life reflect? And in that way, this is a call to faith, a call to turn to Jesus in faith, the one who overcomes and defeats those obstacles for you and for me, the one through whom God demonstrates his love, not only for us, but for the world, the one that brings us hope, even in the face of great difficulty. And so that is our response to this parable, or maybe the right response, it's to turn in faith to the resurrected Jesus as the one who's overcome Satan, as the one who's overcome the reality of our broken world and brings with his future return restoration. And it is the one through whom we experience life. And as Jesus himself described, not just life, but life abundantly. That is the Christian hope that in and through Jesus, we walk forward in faith together. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, I ask that you will watch over us as a community. And that as we think through the challenges of our own faith, that we won't minimize them. But that we will recognize just how important these questions are not just in a temporary way, but eternally. God, I pray that you will help us to be faithful as we live and work out in our respective uh, neighborhoods or communities or workplaces the reality of uh, the good news of your arrival, Jesus, and the word that has overcome these obstacles. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.